So welcome to Guardians of the Family. We are excited to be here today. This is our third podcast, and we have been really um, grateful for the response that we've had, the comments and the feedback that we've received from each of you. Um, and so thank you. Yeah, and we've had a lot of new followers to our Instagram and Facebook pages because you guys have been sharing our podcast, so we really appreciate it. And we ask you to keep on sharing it and please keep on getting the word out. And we appreciate all your help in doing that. Thank you. And today what we are discussing is an article by Rachel DeMille called Steel to Gold, Feminism versus Stateswomanship. And this is an article that has been very influential in um, the last 10 years in Kim and I's life. And it, in this article, there is a call to action. It's very inspiring. And each time we have read it, the first time being 10 years ago, and we have vis revisited it often throughout the years, we have been inspired to, um, to look out into our community and to see how we can be an influence for good and and it has been the, the start of many, each time as we have read it, there ha, we have gone out and started book clubs and mom's clubs and youth groups. And this, we read it again at the beginning of the year, and it became the basis of Guardians of the Family. It was, there is a voice that needs to be heard, and and we wanted to we wanted to have an impact. And so we thank Rachel for her example of stateswomanship and the influence that she has had in our life and the example that yeah. she has set. And so we are super um, glad to be sharing this article with you and to be discussing it. And we hope that it has the kind of impact on you and your life that it has had on ours. Yeah, and this article is about seven pages when you print it off. And so we decided to break this article up into two separate podcasts so that we could really discuss it in depth. We, this is a longer article than our previous ones that we discussed. And so um, we felt that to, to be able to really discuss it in the way that we wanted to discuss it, we needed to break it up into two podcasts. So our first podcast is going to be pages one through three, and the second podcast will be pages four through seven. So if you haven't read it, just pause our podcast, take a few minutes and go and read it. And then you'll have a better understanding of what we're talking about and be able to follow our discussion better. But um, I think this article is so much about confidence and vision. And I think that the first half is more about confidence and the second half is more about vision. And we're really excited to be discussing um, both, both aspects of it. But I think um, I'm super excited to discuss the vision part, which will be in our next podcast, but they go hand in hand. And so we really want to discuss um, the whole article. And so as Amy said, that the, the um, article is titled Steel to Gold, Feminism versus Stateswomanship. And feminism or being a feminist is such a reactionary word nowadays. And people say, you know, I'm a strong feminist. And other people say, I'm not a feminist. And, and we have, we kind of need to define what feminism I think is because it can mean so many things to different people. And I really didn't know what feminism was when people say, are you a feminist? I don't know. What does that mean? And so I looked up the word feminism in the dictionary and it says the advocacy of women's rights 
on the grounds of political, social, and economic equality demand. So I think right now, uh, when we think about feminism, it, it means we're advocating for women's rights. Um, and we kind of think that feminism is a modern um, invention. A lot It came along with the civil rights and environmentalism. But in the article, Rachel outlines that um, feminism has been around um, since the beginning of time, but it didn't have the same meaning as it does today. And she talks about Eve and how um, Eve left the Garden of Eden hand in hand with Adam. She didn't walk behind him. She didn't walk in front of him. They walked side by side. And so um, feminism anciently meant that women were equal to men, but that they had separate roles and that women understood what their roles were. And their role was the maintenance of the basic unit of society, which is uh, families. And so they um, were equal to Adam, but that they had their own role and they understood their own role and they weren't um, weak in their role, I guess, um, but that they took the initiative and fulfilled their role and so that's what I think ancient and historical feminine, feminism was. And I think that goes along with our discussion last week in the proclamation um, to the world on the family is the idea of men and women having distinct and separate roles and yet working together to, um, towards a common towards a common good. And so we see yeah. that through history of women understanding who they are and their influence and their power. And what we are seeing now is um, a confusion, a loss of that influence right. and frustration and doubt over um, who we are as women. And, um, and that, that has come in modern times that has come from a yeah. modern interpretation of feminism. Yeah. yeah. As we've changed the meaning of what feminism is, I think that's a lot of where the confusion come, has come from. And so Rachel outlines um, three types of feminism. And then we're going to talk about a fourth that we've come to recognize because Rachel wrote this article. Well, we, it was published about 11 years ago, so I'm not sure when exactly she wrote it, but it's at least 11 years old. So since that time, we feel like there's a new feminism that we'll talk about in a few minutes. But the first one she talks about is modern feminism. And this is the idea that um, women need to be emancipated from men and that um, women are trying to prove that they're equal to men. And by proving that they're equal to men, they left their families and they joined the workforce. And so they're saying, we're the same as you. We deserve equal pay. And we are leaving our families to prove that we're equal to you. And we can do what you can do. Right. And that's and, how we prove our greatness is that we're doing what you do. And it's, and you've, you're finding your, your fulfillment through a career. So um, it, it was, it was that women, they didn't have families. They said, we're going to sacrifice having a family so that we can have a career. We're going to have a career instead of a family. And this is the feminism that I remember when I was in grade yeah. school. And this was, um, there, it was in the movies. This was the discussion was women not having families and instead right. entering the, the workforce and the idea of a glass ceiling and trying to, to reach and, and the same heights as men and, and be able to be the same as them in the workforce. Yeah. 
And I think this is where we lost our vision of what our role is to maintain the family and to set the morals for society, that that's when we lost that. And I remember growing up as a kid, like it was not politically correct to say that you wanted to have a family. That was just not something that, I mean, you were supposed to focus on career and that's what you focused on in school. Like to say that you wanted a family was kind of taboo. And, and we see that, um, that this idea came about in about the mid sixties and went to about the mid nineties. But then there's a reaction to this kind of feminism because we have within this, this God-given desire to have a family. And so that brought about reactionary feminism. And she said that this was Generation X and the millennial generation that we decided that we were going to have a family and a career. And so um, we decided that, you know, we, we knew that we needed to have a family, that that was something that we felt like we needed to do. And so now we're going to have it all. We're going to have a career and a family. We're going to do everything and have everything. And, um, and this is where we really see that confusion of roles. This is where we see things start to become really muddled between men and women. Because mm-hmm. um, so now as a reaction, we're saying we want a family because we feel that we want children. We want to have a family. But we also feel that we have to be um, equal to, we also have to provide. We also have to step up and, and have a career and have our impact um, matter because of our career. And so this is where we start, we start having all of this doubt about who we are and what, what we're doing, because when we are at work, we are concerned about our family. And when we are at home, we're concerned about our career. We we're trying to do it all. And, and we are trying to be the same as the men. And we're telling our husbands too, like we're, we have a career and we focus on our family. So you need to do what I am exactly what I'm doing and I'll do exactly what you're doing. And, and then I think our roles get confused because we're, we're saying we're the same. So everything we should do is the same. We're going to act the same because we can all, we are both, we're both going to have the career. We're both going to take care of the family. Right. We're both providing, we're both nurturing. Um, And this causes all of this doubt and all of this frustration. And actually I think a lot of frustration because when we're at work and we're so, we are still so connected to home and worried about home. And we find frustration with our husbands because when they are at work, they're not, they don't have the same um, innate nurturing that's happening. I mean, sure. I'm not saying that they're not concerned about their family, but when they're at work, they're at work and they're providing and doing the things that they need to do. And yet we don't have that ability to separate because we truly are responsible for that family and, and for what we've left at home. And so we have just a huge amount of doubt that's happening. Right. And I think guilt too, because when you're so separated, um, the guilt comes in. I can't, I feel like I can't do my career as good as I want. I feel like I can't do my family as good as I want. And so all this guilt and doubt brought about another reaction, which is called, anti-feminism. And so we said, okay, I'm done being superwoman. I can't do it all. I'm going to go, I'm going to focus on my family. I'm going to leave my career. I'm going to have a family and I'm going to be at home. And we're not saying that 
everybody did all of these. What we're saying are these are types right. of feminism that are happening. Right. So today we are still seeing reactionary feminism. We are still yes. seeing women having career and a family. And, yeah. but this is another um, type of feminism that came out of reactionary yeah. feminism is I need to be home and I can't do it all. And so I'm going to go home and I'm going to be the best mother that I can be. And you turn inward and you focus on your immediate yeah. family. Yeah. And it, um, I, I, but I think we owe um, modern feminism and reactionary feminism a debt of gratitude in that we can have these discussions about men's and women's roles. Like they did have a play, part to play, but we can see um, how the disintegration of our roles as women has happened through, through these discussions that they've been having and through the stances that they've been taking. And, um, well, and we can and, go back even to like um, the suffrage movement. There, I hope what what you are not hearing in this is that all of these ideas are just strictly negative. There has been so much right. good that has come out of the conversation of women's mm -hmm. rights, and simply yeah. the fact that we're allowed to be here, that we have the right to vote, that we have the right to own property, that we can be having a discussion like, hey. We have a voice and it matters. These are positive. Um, mm -hmm. These are positive things that we need to be grateful to the women who came before us and who were willing yeah. to stand up and say, women have a voice. Right. And as we're talking about anti-feminism, so now we're saying um, we're leaving our careers and we're coming home and focusing on our family. And you can be saying, well, okay, what's wrong with that? But, um, there are a few problems with that because number one, it leaves out women who aren't married or don't have children. Where, where's their voice? Where is their purpose? What can they do? How can they fulfill their role? And also um, we talked about, we have this desire to, to make a difference in society. We have this desire. What does she call it? Um, feminine ambition that we have this feminine ambition to go out and make a difference. And so that is lost when in the anti-feminism um, movement, because we're just strictly focused on our own family. We're not looking outward in how we can better our communities and have a voice in our communities. And that's the mom who is at home. Um, and, and this is a quote from, from uh, the article. She says, by defining the controversy between being a fulfilled career woman contributing to society on the one side and an unfulfilled barefoot and pregnant housewife on the other modern feminism has convinced our generation that women must choose between home hearth and family and societal leadership the result is that as young women choose homemaking they stoically turn inward focus on their own family work on the side or stay home and wistfully watch the world move on without them and so that's one right. of the struggles with the anti-feminism is, oh, well, I can't, I'm not having a career. So if I don't have a career, I don't have any impact on the world. And so I need to, I need to be at home. And yet you still have that yearning to have impact and make a difference and, and yeah. have influence. Yeah. We've replaced stateswomanship with a career. And so we feel like that's the only way we can make a difference in the world is through a career. But Rachel's telling us that's not the case. Right. That we can still have a voice. We can still 
um, affect our communities and bring about good um, through state's womanship. And it doesn't have to be through a career. And when, when Kim and I were watching the women's March um, at the beginning of the year, and we started discussing this and then even, even recently as we were discussing this article and, and preparing for this podcast, as we were trying to define feminism today, we were struggling to define it within the context of these three modern reactionary and anti-feminism. We were struggling to define it within those confines and because it seems there is a new feminism in town. And yes. as we were trying to categorize it into one of these, it, it didn't quite fit. So if we could be so bold as to yeah. suggest a, a fourth kind of feminism that we are seeing today. And this came about because we were not seeing our voice. Yeah. Our voice was not being um, heard. It was not, yeah. not that it wasn't being heard. There was nobody who was saying what we stand for out mm -hmm. there at the, at the March. And so this new feminism, we're calling it superiority <laughs> feminism. Right. And this is, this is the idea that it, so in modern feminism, you have women who are trying to be as great as men, mm -hmm. right? They're trying to reach up to become like men. Right. And then in reactionary reactionary you have we're going to be the same as men yeah. we we have the same responsibilities we have the same um the same goals the same jobs the same careers where we want the same pay all of those kind of things and then in this superiority feminine feminism we have the idea that that women are actually superior to men yeah we actually, this is not about being the same anymore. We're actually yes. better and we want men to acknowledge the fact that we're better. We yeah. want men to, to know that women actually have it all together and they don't and that they need us to lead. They need us to be in charge because frankly, we can do it better. Yeah. And you can see this, like if you watch any in sitcom on TV, that the man is the bumbling idiot and that the woman um, has to go and fix everything that the man breaks and ruins and um, does wrong. And that, that that's what the mom's job is to just fix all the things that the dad does wrong. Right. The, the, the dad can't parent. He's not a good parent. He, right. he isn't a good husband. He needs the woman to help provide. She needs right. to also be working and to help support um, right. and it's not, this is pervasive everywhere. Um, yeah. Kim and I, when we first started, um, discussing this idea of this fourth kind of feminism, we started looking even at church where we yeah. hear women making disparaging remarks about men yeah. about saying, Oh, well, the men can't do that. Or the, yeah, you know how men are. Yeah. Right. Those kinds of remarks. We yeah. see it in memes. We see it. Okay. And, um, I was looking, I think, I don't know where I was shopping Gap or somewhere. I'm not sure. But these girl power shirts that are yeah. so popular and it's this girl can do it all. Girls rule the world. Girls, 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 girl power. Yes. Um, I, and uh, at the surface, wow, right. yes, we want to empower our daughters to be 
yeah, you know, incredible women. But let's just say that we have little boys shirts that are saying man power, right. <laughs> men rule the world. Men, you no. know. <laughs> yeah. What would, what would the reaction of that be? That would yeah. be um, like, yeah. I can only, I chuckle at the, the outcry yeah. of what that would be. And so this, this women are superior and we're teaching it we're teaching it in our homes. We're teaching yeah. it in our families. We're teaching it in social media. And I have three sons yeah. and I think about what, what are they seeing in the world about who they are supposed to become? Right. How do they, how do they lead their families? How do they, how do they go out and make a difference in the world in the way that, that truly only men can when we've stripped them of everything that is good yeah. and right about being a man. And why do they want to get married and have a family if they're just going to have a wife there that's telling them they're wrong all the time and telling them what to do all the time and making them feel like an idiot all the time? Yeah. And this is a legacy that is far more dangerous than anything we've had previous yeah, to this. I think so. Because stripping away the importance of men from society and replacing it with a, a woman's superiority right. is really detrimental to society. Because yeah. what we need is we need men and women who recognize the importance of their own role and the other's role and yeah. that we work together towards a common goal towards a common goal, which is, um, and when we look back last week to the importance of men who preside, provide, and protect, and the woman with her responsibility over the home and the morals and the, the centeredness of family, working together, that's when we have our greatest good. That is when we make the most impact and have the most influence. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's important for us to be able to discuss these different types of feminism because we need to, like we were watching the um, Women's March, Amy said, and we felt like there was nobody there representing our view of um, women. Um, but we need to recognize where other people are coming from as well. When we see articles written about women's rights and um, about women's roles and things like that, we need to recognize where that author or that person is coming from. Are they coming from a view of modern feminism? Are they coming from a view of reactionary feminism or anti-feminism? And this new superiority feminism that we're seeing, we need to recognize in the shows that we watch and in the things that we're teaching our children, um, we need to recognize that it's, that it's wrong to disparage men in that way. We need to recognize what's at play in society and how, um, how we're contributing to that or how we're taking away from that or what we're teaching our children. I think it's so important to recognize um, what they're talking about and where the root of it is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, that is so important and how the words matter. Yeah. And I think if we could just have a little bit more awareness of of the impact of our words um, yeah. and on what they're, they're doing to the importance of, of the roles of each 
man and woman. Yeah. And uh, superiority feminism, I feel like, um, fulfilled a need in anti-feminism that we weren't as women um, using our feminine ambition to go out in the community. But And you see, saw that in the Women's March, that it was all about social causes and social justice and oh, we're fighting for the little guy and the minorities and, and um, the immigrant and all these different um, causes. And so... It, it fulfilled that need, which we recognize as women that we want to have families and that that's our role is to have families and, and, and raise children. And, and, and then the new superiority feminism recognizes that we, you know, we have a voice in the community and we need to stand strong and, and raise our voice for and good. help others and recognize yeah. that there are people who are, um, who are, who need our voice and we do need to stand for them and recognize that they need yeah. help. So yeah. that has a positive influence, Yeah, but it, we don't need to do that. Right. At, to, we don't have to sacrifice men to do right. that. We don't have yes. to say, okay, well, men don't matter. Men, right. we need to step on men's backs to become, to become right. great. And when we were, when I was looking at this, um, I kind of had um, at at the time that we started that the Women's March came out and we started discussing this. My oldest son was, um, I think he was engaged at this point and was looking to get married. And I was thinking about my daughter-in-law, and I was thinking about the generations to come and um, my grandchildren and my my daughter, and thinking about who. Who are they supposed to be emulating? Who do right. they have that they can follow? And I don't, I don't want them thinking, okay, um, that men and women have to be the same. I don't want them right. thinking that their role and their greatness comes from a career. But I also don't want them thinking, well, I... I just have to turn inward and right. raising a family. And that's, that's all that I have to offer. And I don't mean to say that in a negative way, like having a family, that's not quote unquote, all that you have to offer. That is actually, right. in fact, the greatest thing that you can do, but that when that maternal instinct meets feminine ambition yeah. together, that's when greatness happens. And that's yeah. where we need a resurgence towards historical feminism. Right. That's why we need to be talking about the women that have come before us as far back as Adam and Eve, as far back to the women of the scriptures, as far back to the founding of America. We need to be going back in history and looking at these women who understood the importance of a woman's role who understood the importance of nurturing and the home, but also saw the power and influence that women could have over generations to come. Yeah. And I think recognize that when a man fulfills his role in the way he should, it allows us to fulfill our role in a way that we can, when we're not having to worry about providing for ourselves and we let the man, our husbands take care of that role, then it allows us to be able to fulfill our role in the way that God designed. And I like C.S. Lewis's um, quote, and I'm not going to get it exactly, but that, um, that homemaking is ultimate career, something like every other career was made 
to support homemaking you know what I'm talking about I do that's that's why all other careers were created so that so that women could take care of their families so we could um, have an impact in society that's that's the reason that that the men are out there working is to provide for our families so that we can do what we need to do and um, such a great example of this was Abigail Adams and Rachel brings up Abigail Adams and and talks about her um, on page, I don't remember what page it is. I can't find it on my notes, but anyway, it's page oh, six. Oh yes. Page six. But the things that Abigail Adams was doing, um, we look at her is just this great woman in history that had such impact. And the things that she was doing was she was taking care of her family. Um, she was reading, she was writing, she was discussing all those things that we talked about that we needed to do in podcast number one. And then she was supporting her husband and letting her husband go and do what he needed to do. And um, she wasn't complaining that he was gone. She wasn't, you know, begging him to come home. I read a book about her and I've listed it on the the reading list. But she had a friend who, um, who had a husband who was involved in politics as well, but asked her husband to come home. And so, um, so she she asked her husband to come home, but Abigail supported her husband in what he needed to do. And so she was able to, um, to take care of her family, but still have a voice. She recognized that her voice was still important. She didn't just stay home and, and sit there and complain about, um, John being gone and that, that, um, she was there by herself and just, you know, cooking and cleaning she recognized that her voice was important as well, and she did something about it. And this is, um, this is a quote from, from Rachel when she says, so here's the great flaw in reactionary and anti-feminism. One says women should be like men. The other says that women should focus only on their immediate children. The first is wrong, and the second is too narrow. Women have power over generations, and we must use this power or see others usurp and misuse it. And that is what Abigail recognized. That is right. what, um, sure. in these, these great examples that we have in history of powerful, incredible women, what they recognized is that they don't need to be like men. That's not, it's not a contest. We are not men. We don't need to be men. We truly can allow men to be men and mm-hmm. to do the things that they are good at. And if we focus on being a woman and the power in, that we have in our own divine nature, that truly that's when we have power over generations. That is when we have incredible um, influence. And... Um, Tocqueville wrote a book. It's called Democracy in America. He's a a Frenchman who came to America um, not long after the founding. And he was, he was studying how did America do this incredible thing? How did America become this great nation with all of these freedoms? And, and from, we had nothing like that in the world at the time. And how did, how did this happen? Yeah. And how did it affect people? now that they had these freedoms. I think it was a, my, a big study on, okay, now how are they different because of their freedoms that they enjoy? Right. And um, this is a quote um, from that book. And he says, 
I do not hesitate to avow that although the women of the United States are confined within the narrow circle of domestic life and their situation is in some respects one of extreme dependence, I have nowhere seen women occupying a loftier position. And if I were asked, now that I am drawing to the close of this work in which I have spoken of so many important things done by the Americans, to what the singular prosperity and growing strength of that people ought mainly to be attributed, I should reply to the superiority of their women. Yeah. And awesome. wow. Okay. So let's take this apart. Just a few of these pieces in this, in this paragraph. He says, okay, so the women are confined to domestic life. So women are at home. Women are yeah. not out seeking a career. They're not doing that. Women are at home. Um, and we have extreme dependence, like we're dependent on our men. Mm -hmm. And so we are at home, we're dependent on our men. And yet, if he is talking about where our prosperity, where our growing strength comes, where we can really attribute so much greatness that is happening in America, where does that come from? He says, to the superiority of their women. That is a powerful statement yeah. about the influence that women can have. And, and we're not talking about just like an immediate influence. We're seeing an influence that, that yeah. lasts for generations. And um, this is another quote from, from Rachel when she says, Together they are the founders of the West, their descendants and heirs, Tocqueville's heroic pioneer woman who carved out homes in the wilderness, walked across the plains and taught eight generations of the freest people in history, often while pregnant or nursing, were no less feminine, no less amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And these women were great because they had courage to do what they needed to do. They understood what their roles were, that they are to maintain the family unit, and that makes the society strong and that women um, set the morals for society. And then they had the vision. They didn't just have a vision of today. They had a vision of generations to come. I mean, you cannot walk across the plains without having a vision. Why would you? There would be no purpose, right? <laughs> there would be no purpose if you're thinking only of your immediate comfort because that is not immediate comfort. You have to have a vision of the big picture and not just the picture for your family, but picture the big picture of what's to come for generations. And that is one of, I think w a woman's greatest gift is vision. Yes. That so is too. what we have that really can help us change the world because not only do we see what's happening right now, but we see the big picture. We do see generations to come. We do see what needs to be done. And that's a gift and yeah. we need to not, we, know, we don't need to, to be thinking that we need to be competing with or being the same as our husbands and the men around us. That's, that's not, we don't need to carry that burden. Allow them to have the burden of their role and their responsibilities. Yeah. And let's look at the responsibilities that we have and how we can, we can make ourselves how, how we can help ourselves fulfill the mission that we have been given. Yeah. And Eric Metaxas, he wrote a book 
um, called Seven Great Men. And after he wrote that, he said that people kept asking him if he was going to write a book about seven great women. And so then he started asking people um, who he should write about. And they started saying people like Amelia Earhart and other women who had done things that men had done for the first time. And he said that he wanted to write a, a great book about women who did things that only women could do and that they were great because they did what only a woman could do in a great way. And women aren't great because we can do the same things that men can do. We're great because we have divine gifts and we can do things that only women can do. Oh, I love that. That's actually one of, um, one of my favorite, favorite quotes. The idea that, that this is, we are great because we are women Mm -hmm. because we can change the world. We can fulfill our mission. We can, we can affect change for generations to come because we are women. Yeah. And, and that's the piece. So we've given you some of the historical background. Hopefully you have a greater understanding about different types of feminism and where they come from. And in the next podcast, we are going to discuss now. Okay, so now we have a vision. We want to change the world. We recognize that we don't need to be the same as men. We don't need to compete with men. But now let's talk about how do we take the confidence that we have from our foremothers yeah. and how do we take the vision that we have for the future and how do we put it into use and truly do something great? Yeah. And so I'm excited to discuss um, that in our next podcast. Oh, I'm so excited. I love the second half of this article. And that's what always gets us motivated to, to get out and do something. And so if yeah. you haven't yet, read those last few pages. Um, leave us a comment. Let us know how, yeah. how you're enjoying this. Let Give us, us know what reading. your thoughts are on what we've talked about so far. We can't wait to hear from you. Yeah, and if you have other... Um, ideas of things that you'd like to hear us discussing. Yeah. Um, shout us out too. Yeah. And in order, to, we would love it if you could rate our podcast or leave us a comment and to be able to do that, you go to the, the iPod app and sorry, the podcast app, sorry. And then search guardians of the family. Even if you're already subscribed, you search guardians of the family and then you go to review. And if you click on the review button, you can rate us uh, four or five stars and then, um, leave a comment. So that's how you can rate us. So five stars. Yes, of course. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So just take a minute to do that. It only takes a second. We would love for you to be able to do that. Thank and you we'll so much. Until next time.